0: This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 490 for January 13th, 2016. Welcome back to the new year, dear listeners. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and joining me, as always, is Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie.
1: Hi, Glenn. How are you?
0: Good. I should say, as always, we had a guest last week, because you were deeply enmeshed in the Consumer Electronics as Show, CES. always, yes. Yes.
1: I wasn't actually in Las Vegas this year. I was supporting our, our away team here at home, and but my hours were all crazy, and I was it was just CES all the time. So I knew that I would uh, not be a good podcast host.
0: Well, we talked about uh, a little bit last week. I've only been once, and uh, that was a decade ago. Uh, you only go to CES if you have to, or you really thrive on a certain kind of uh, chaos and um, walking miles through endless convention halls. I'd like to go again. You know, it's weird. It's kind of fun. I, I like Yes. I don't know. Yeah. It's a strange it's, show. I mean, it's a show for... Like, this is the thing about CES. I talked about it a little bit last like week. It's
1: like eight shows. It's yeah, like eight, five... Fifty trade shows, like and, uh, shoved into one city.
0: It's the future of electronics and automotives. It's the future of electronics in homes. It's the future of televisions and uh, home entertainment. So our colleague Brad Charkas over at PC World was looking at, among other things, gaming gear, where there's some pretty stunning high-end PC configurations with cooling and RAM and giant cards and and that kind of thing. And then you know then there's the you could say like the peripheral. Uh, market because it's there's a zillion zillion things that get added on to existing systems, uh, and it's you know it's a primarily a show for dealers like Presco in large numbers, because it gives them a glimpse. Often the coverage is too breathless because the stuff shown at CES, a lot of it never ships. You know a lot of it's perspective and they're gauging, a manufacturer comes in to gauge whether dealers are gonna actually place pre-orders for this thing. And then there's the action off the show floor where there's all these private suites where stuff is shown that's even more interesting uh, than what's on the floor, but it's not ready for public consumption. So all that's going on. And as press, we're trying to pick at the outside and see you know what's real, what's sensible, what might actually be interesting uh, for products that are going to come anywhere from you know, now to largely more towards uh, second quarter and then through the end of the year. And you know there's plenty of things I've seen uh, stuff sometimes picked as uh, best at CES by some publications that actually never ship even because uh, dust did not turn per uh, viable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. There's a lot of prototypes. There's a lot of, you know, kind of proof of concept sort of technology things where they're like, this is what we want to do. This is like the road we're going down. So you can kind of look for trends and it's it's just good to sort of meet the people that you cover to and, you know, get some FaceTime and be like, OK, you know, in eight months when this comes out, <laughs> remember me. Uh, well, so, yeah, it's 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 very overwhelming um, and it, it, it is like several shows at once. So we saw a lot of really cool car things and um, they they found a ton of hardcore PC stuff. And then um, the home thing and the fitness thing, our, our Caitlin McGarry went to help uh, Tech Hive, and she covered um, appliances and fitness. So like one of the the videos that she did that I really loved was the cookie, which is a robot that cooks for you. Oh. There's so many like just ridiculous products. Um, Mark Hockman did a great uh, video when he went into like the Asian showcase and just found all these wacky. Like, um, you know, a, a robot that dances. John Phillips found a robot that does <laughs> yoga. So, yeah, it was a big year for robots. Um, we got a million a pitches achieve, for. Th- how does what? a robot
0: achieve serenity, though? I don't understand how you do. It, well, it's teaching you how to do yoga. Oh, oh, all
1: right, fine. yeah. Robots that'll, are built well, to serve, so that'll that'll accept. exactly. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a very big year for robots. Robot. Um, we Roll got a call. lot of pitches for Hire, which is a. a appliance and TV company. I think they do TVs, but they do tons of appliances and they had a, an R2-D2 um, robot that had a built-in projector so he could play you movies and then it was like a refrigerator so he could bring you drinks like R2-D2 did to Java in the Huts on, uh in episode six.
0: Which company <laughs> is that? Is that Huawei? Huawei? Hire.
1: H-A-I-E-R.
0: H-A-I-E-R. H-A-I-E-R. Oh, oh Hire. I'm so used to hearing yeah. uh, Chinese company names now. I was thinking, is that uh, Huawei or... Um, Huawei, yeah. Huawei, there's a whole or... new
1: there's a whole new crop Sham- it seems Shoumi. like. Yeah. Yeah, the, it's like,
0: oh, it's, it's actually a German. I think higher is German or is it, uh, no, they're based in China though but I think they have a German sounding name or they bought a German yeah. name. Yeah. Interesting. But anyway, they
1: built this R2-D2 robot and they had permission from Disney <sighs> to show it in Asia and they we were going to bring it to CES and they pitched <sighs> us about it. I, I wasn't even going to CES and I got like seriously 12 pitches about this thing. So everyone wanted to film it. Everyone was excited. R2-D2, yay, Star Wars, ooh. So, and then they didn't have permission from Disney to show it on in like north america that's hilarious so they brought it to ces and then it was covered up with a shroud <laughs> i saw a <laughs> Just picture like of it that was sitting there in this like black cloak over it with its little its little uh foot sticking out all sad so john phillips wrote a hilarious thing about r2d2's like immigration problems and how he was in low power mode and yeah it was man you think that they would have times. thought i
0: mean given disney's licensing you think they would have thought about getting specific permission mm-hmm. for like one show or something, but anyway, yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, robots, yeah, the robots are coming. The robots are coming. This is the uh, the it's interesting thing with like the software hardware split is there's all these rules about um, like Moore's law about uh, semiconductor uh, transistor density, and that's why we get um, you know, better and better, faster and faster processing. But there's other stuff that happens with like punctuated equilibrium, is more precisely it. So you get uh, kind of incremental work, and then suddenly there is some kind of change, either. You have suddenly enough computational power that things that were previously impractical are suddenly practical. Or, or um, you know, in the case of a lot of machine intelligence stuff, I was doing some work on machine learning. Uh, there was a not a breakthrough, but a change because of computational uh, availability. And suddenly you could use really much better algorithms to uh, recognize things and do things. So robots are much more effective now. It's why we're seeing more of them, uh, because the... They can get uh, super powerful mobile chips. They can get super powerful software that's better, and so instead of them kind of going into walls and dropping your drinks, they're like, "Hey, here you go." <laughs> I'm your, Yeah, I'm your we plastic saw we saw like sensors that you around. can add
1: to toys that give them little eyes, like electronic eyes on your toys, so they can see each other. Like so, yeah, we saw a lot of things where there wasn't a lot like, "Oh, this is a bunch of Apple gear, and you'll use this with your Mac." But it was sort of like you know directions they're gonna go. Um, We've seen a lot of like inductive wireless charging for small devices like phones and you know electronic toothbrushes and stuff like that. But that's not really efficient enough for for charging something big like a laptop. So we did a story this year. Um, Dell and uh, Ytricity were partnering to make a laptop charging station that uses magnetic resonance um, technology to charge. Wirelessly. So that's something that you know you could see in an Apple laptop a few years down the line. Oh, I saw Um, an interesting rumor
0: along just to sidebar you is that uh, that if the next iPhone had uh, you know wireless charging, that then you wouldn't be giving up the headphone jack if mm -hmm. the headphone jack is lightning. I was like, all right, that's the first combination that made sense to me. I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they made the the magnetic resonance, you know, charging things so light and flexible that they could put it in almost, you know, any device. So I think it's more likely that the next iPhone would come out with with charge with wireless charging, which would, yeah, help the, you know, how am I going to charge and listen to music at the same time if I'm using lightning headphones. Um, speaking of lightning headphones, Sarah Purewall, one of our best freelancers, did a good roundup of earbuds that she saw and um, that included some lightning models and some like totally wireless models. So the latest rumor about the ear pods is that there will, or you know, the the new wireless headphones that Apple will make mm-hmm. for iPhone seven. If they ditch the headphone jack they I guess they might make these beats headphones that just go right in your ears. And usually with, you know, so-called wireless headphones. Now there isn't a wire connecting it to your device, but there's usually still a wire from the right earbud to the left just to kind of keep them together. Um, but this year at CES, we saw a bunch that just don't even have those. So they reminded me of, like, the Babel Fish from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's just this little thing, and you just stick it in your ear, and it'll <laughs> talk to you. Like, that's crazy. Oh, so, that's awesome.
0: Well, you know, you, I'm still waiting for the, you know, that tool that was around a bit ago. It was an uh, uh, a augmented reality. See, I think augmented reality is going to be the big thing, and that's actually uh, having something in your ear that talks to you as an audio version of augmented reality. But there was an app called Word Lens that may still be developed, but it kind of got a big splash for the iPhone where you'd point – just hover mm-hmm. over text and it would actually translate it live. It would actually swap out the characters on screen. And imagine I can – that's absolutely possible for audio too. It's a, it's a clever idea. So yeah. you don't have to change the world around you. You still are interacting with it, but you're getting this overlay of additional information.
1: Yep. Um, there's more HomeKit de- gear from iDevices that I'm really looking forward to trying because they've ma- they're making like some of the best HomeKit stuff so far. So they have uh, a socket where you can plug a light bulb into it, and then that's you know smart light bulb, but it works with any light bulb. And there's a wall switch that I really like because the problem with putting all your lights and uh, light bulbs and lamps and stuff on these powered, um, you know, connected sockets is that then you're supposed to just leave it on all the time. So you can't walk up to the, you know, and turn it on and off with your phone or with Siri. So you can't just walk up to the lamp and reach mm-hmm. over and turn it on with your hand like you used to. So um, so they came out with some home kit like wall switches, where you can, you know, use your phone or oh. actually just use your hand and... Turn on the light like you used to. So that's good because not, you know, even if you're really gung-ho about using your phone to control everything, maybe not everyone in your house is. Like, you know, know, kids, babysitters, whatever. Um,
0: We wound up getting a landline. We're getting this part of our fiber connection. Sorry. And uh, it's almost free. Actually, it was cheaper to get it with the landline. But we have the landline up. Uh, particularly because uh, that same thing is not everybody has a cell phone that comes to the house. If my mother-in-law, who has one but doesn't really use it, is here and there's an emergency, we want a line they can pick up. So I think that's actually in the same line as you want something you can actually – a physical object that represents the thing you remember, a light switch.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want my smart things to kind of augment the systems that we already have. I don't want them to totally replace it. Like it wouldn't be good if, you know, you had – a light that you couldn't turn on any other way besides getting out a phone and opening up an app and yeah so so that was some exciting stuff coming out of CES. Everyone's very tired, but um, you know I think it was a it was an exciting week.
0: Uh, you said uh, USB-C. I think you told me was uh, going. Nuts as well there? There's lots yeah, of USB-C we things? Yeah, saw a
1: lot more USB-C things. Um, the PC World guys found um, some USB-C drives. We found, uh, I, Price just sent me some new USB-C uh, accessories. They sent me a power brick.
0: Which you'll which be sending to me, exciting. please. exciting. <laughs> I know, I'm, right? I'm doing, well, I'm doing a review. As soon, soon got, as I saw
1: it, I was like, Glenn why? Please ship please
0: it up. I've got three now. There's actually there were four announced, and now I have three of the four... Uh, previously announced uh, USB-C connectable, chargeable uh, batteries, and I'll okay. tell you the big problem. I was just going through some battery testing with my colleagues at the wire cutter. The big problem with massive capacity batteries now it is hard to drain them. I'm actually, I, <laughs> I am having a heck of a time testing what the actual capacity is because I don't have a lab set up. In the past, when you had like a two thousand milliampere-hour battery, you could drain that in a few hours. You just plug something in, you run something. My MacBook takes—I think even I'm—I think transcoding is the best case I have right now. Uh, Using a a HandBrake to transcode video is probably the most CPU-intensive activity. So I'm going to try that. I can hardly drain my Mac, my 12-inch MacBook battery. It takes like six or seven hours. Because it's so efficient. So uh, the big problem with battery testing is it takes like a – it's like a 20 to (laughs) 30-hour process to actually discharge – Recharge and test, and see what in just a single cycle what it can actually do. So you
1: need fiber uh, for batteries.
0: Fiber for batteries, right? Well, there's a device in Japan. Any get listeners, fiber,
1: you lose all your patience.
0: Any <laughs> listeners in Japan who want to help me out, there's a there's a USB load testing device that only seems to exist in Japan. I'm trying to order it through a Japanese reshipper, but it will put two amps of load. On a USB port, it's well-reviewed, and I cannot seem to get my hands on it. But then you could uh, you can drain a battery very efficiently in order to test it. And um, there are some scary devices you can get that have, like, exposed wires and say, warning, this will smoke when using. I'm like, I don't think I want to plug that in. Uh, but, yeah, USB-C. So this go wrong? I mean, this is the thing. I've got the three batteries I have, a Talent Cell, a RAV power, and Anchor. And now, Monoprice, uh, there's a fourth that's uh, from a lesser, a slightly lesser-known brand, but uh, it makes uh, other accessories and batteries Uh, that isn't out yet. It's due out in a couple months. Um, They could charge your uh, 12-inch MacBook, uh, you know, probably at least one and a half times completely, maybe two. Some might even be able to charge it a full three times from one battery that weighs somewhere in the range of a pound, slightly more, slightly less. That's pretty incredible as a backup thing. Plus also charge at full speed. You know, an iPad, the Anchor has USB-C and two 2.4-amp Uh, uh, USB Type-A jacks that work with iPads, and it can output, I think, five amps at once. So you could be charging... Wow. I know, you could be off the grid for, like, days to a week with multiple devices. Of course, where are you going to be without AC power that you have internet access that's burning down, you know, battery life? But still, you could take something that weighs in the range of, let's say one pound, maybe even two, and not need AC power for an extended period of time. So that's that's kind of cool. I'm glad as the industry adopts USB-C, it's even better because then you have fewer cables and it'll support higher amperage. So the, the anchor, for instance, will do a three-amp output, uh, which just means uh, more power faster because you're limited to the USB voltage is five volts. So that limits you on one side. If you can up the amperage, you can push more power Uh, more quickly. I'm also testing, by the way, just another sidebar, Quick Charge. uh, It's Qualcomm standard. It's being used widely on the PC side, but some of the batteries use Quick Charge for recharging the battery itself. So if you have a Quick Charge adapter, which are not expensive, I've got one here from uh, Aki with two ports, it will actually increase the voltage as well as the amperage. So it will, again, recharge the battery and maybe twice as fast as if you're using plain USB, even the best USB adapters that are available. So that's all coming together, which is neat.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, there's some big innovations in charging coming down the line. So hopefully um, we'll see that in our built into the Apple gear that we're buying the next, you know, three to five years.
0: Well, just remember how much time we've spent in the past, like managing batteries. And uh, my wife's battery is failing on her phone. And so she's got an external pack. Like she's carrying around. We just went on a trip to L.A. We went on a trip. Oh, no, I'm sidebarring like crazy, but we just went on a trip to L.A. for a couple days. Just four of us, two kids, two adults. And we're like, well, we're not going to bring laptops on this trip. We don't need them. We're not going that long. We're going to be busy with this wedding we're attending and travel and seeing people. So like, all we're going to bring are two iPads and three Kindles and two iPod Touches <laughs> and two iPhones. That's, that's, that's it. Travel and light. Need. We don't need anything else. Also five cables and three chargers.
1: Well, when you're going places with oh. kids, like, it's just good to pack screens. No, I don't know how, good. like, my parents did it back in the day. <laughs> oh, with two external
0: keyboards, too, for the iPads. So sure. Uh, sure. we didn't need laptops at all. Um, <laughs> in the end, it was great, because they're. but all together, it's all very light. The kids are able to carry their electronics. Yeah. We carried ours. They could read in a plane without having They had both bought – we all brought uh, – at one point, I'm looking over at my son. Like,
1: that sounds like a lot, but it's really pretty reasonable. It's so <laughs> compact. I mean, it's less than, yeah. like –
0: it probably weighs altogether less than, like, a one-and-a-half MacBook Pros or something. Uh, but you know at one point I'm fly- we're flying down. I'm sitting next to my younger son, is uh, eight and he's got this Herkin library hardcover. He's got I look down, I'm got I'm like at myself, I've got a Herkin library hardcover. I'm like, why do we bring all that technology? It was great. Uh, I'm sorry. So do we finish? So USB C. You said there's also some other things coming. There's more like USB C to VGA. We've been waiting for more adapters coming that um, fall out that maybe do power pass through. Um, but the ecosystem is starting to develop. That's the key takeaway. Yeah, I
1: think. yeah. It's in it's in more devices now. Like you know the neck the new Nexus phones I believe have USB C and um, you know the Surface Book and and stuff so From even though Pixel. it's only in the one apple product more on the pc side and the android side are adopting it so the accessories
0: are starting to come out yeah and then quickly. we'll get thunderbolt 3 i had someone ask me the other day because so this is yeah. a confusing thing I'll, I'll also um i'm i'm mr sidebar today i'm a, i'm a shadow box on the old print page
1: um once you it, get that fiber you're just zipping in all so many, directions. so many
0: directions but i got a question of the day and, and i've had this before to our mac nine one one on one email uh which was about using thunderbolt displays with non-apple devices and here's the thing the apple the previous model which was displayport only would work with any displayport monitor or a device a computer you know host yeah, that right. can support it and the thunderbolt one to my understanding it will not um and maybe i'm wrong about this but i looked up apple does not have clear information i found forum postings it sounds like the thunderbolt uh, even though it has the same connector, it won't do the conversion unless you're using an Apple device. Uh, and I'd love to be corrected if that's wrong, but I couldn't find anything that would help that person. So I said, I think you're stuck. I think you cannot convert this into DisplayPort or HDMI out. But when Thunderbolt 3 comes out, ostensibly Apple will finally update monitors and maybe switch to USB-C or have DisplayPort and USB-C if it continues to make monitors at that point. And then we'll have you know one standard ostensibly for connection, USB-C, have a bunch of different kinds of networking and display technology that will work over a single cable type. So it won't all be interoperable on every device, but we'll be messing with less stuff for the same results. And ostensibly, we then kind of come to not quite a convergence, but there's just less fussing and adapters and, and incompatibility. That's a, I mean, and that's happened in some areas. Like USB 3.0 did actually converge. People actually did say, all right, this is it. We're all going to go this direction. And it works generally, from what I can tell, very reliably across many platforms and many kinds of devices. So um, this is just another step in that direction. I'll look forward to it.
1: I don't yep. want this many
0: cables. Uh, Samsung family Hub refrigerator. Maybe we should finish with that. The uh, 21 and a half inch LCD on in the front. Camera's inside. Do you want to see what your food's doing? Does the light go off when you close the door? Now we have the <laughs> answer. Do you remember
1: answer. that Far Side cartoon where they open the fridge and, like, the mayonnaise has a gun and the yes. ketchup and mustard have their arms in the air? And it yes. says, when mayonnaise goes bad. Oh. Now you'll know when mayonnaise goes bad. Wow.
0: That's There's an yeah, episode we of We saw uh, a
1: couple. We actually saw an aftermarket camera that you can put inside your fridge to... so you don't have to buy I mean Samsung's family hub refrigerator is probably going to be like I don't know 10 grand they wouldn't say Um, it's got a 21 and a half inch LCD on the front cameras inside so you can get a glimpse of what's in there it can kind of monitor you know what you have and prompt you to order more right from the fridge you can mirror your TV on it so if you know someone's watching the Super Bowl and you have to go get more snacks you can have the Super Bowl be playing on your fridge door um, you can put the whole family's calendar there, which is kind of handy. um, you know, if you don't just write your things on a paper calendar like we used to do. <laughs> so yeah, that's crazy. But then we also saw an aftermarket camera, uh, am oh, blanking on the name where you could, um camera and fridge. Uh, so yeah, if you're at the store and then you, can't remember like this happens to me all the time i'll be at the store and i'll be like oh milk i can't remember if we need milk or not that's a great Now what i have to do is i have to like yeah yeah milk bread milk and bread are the two things i can never remember like how much is left i'm like i know there's a jug of milk in the fridge i don't know how much is left so you know you have to like text someone who's at home and say hey do we need milk um this way, you have a little connected camera that's inside your fridge, and you can actually look inside your fridge oh, from out on. in the world and come say, on. Oh, there is milk in there, but it's almost gone. I better get more.
0: Milk. I, I need to Skype with the ham, please. <laughs> Skype with the ham because the mayonnaise ain't listening. Uh, that's, exactly. Yeah, I can see. You know, there was years ago, there was a notion that you might barcode scan, like there'd be a, a camera on the front of the fridge. And as you put stuff in, you just bleep it like it was a supermarket, or it would have, um, you know, if it wasn't a barcodable item, you could just tap something, then you'd actually know your refrigerator inventory. And as you took stuff out, it would be monitored. I don't know. And it, like, I I feel like there are, I have that same reaction. It's like, you, I never know what's in the refrigerator. Like, I don't have a memory of it, and it's at that uh, overlay of time. It's, it, you know, did I just see two gallons of milk in there, or was that last week, and we have none. Right. And, yeah, uh, I don't
1: have a photographic memory for what's in my fridge, but...
0: I have a refrigerographic memory. I know exactly where everything is. I can tell you, what. it's funny, my wife will say, uh, I couldn't find the X, and I'll be like, it's in there, and I will reach back into some weird shelf, reach all the way back and just pull this thing out. I'm like, I don't even know why I know that's back there. Uh, There's an episode of King of the Hill, in which Bobby Hill is given Ritalin because there's a mistake about how much sugar he's consuming, and he's sitting (laughs) on the floor and he says, (laughs) there's a carton of milk in the refrigerator that's about to go bad. And there it goes. (laughs) (laughs) He's a little hyper-aware in that episode. Well, he can be our Samsung refrigerator. Um, Well, leaving CES and coming back uh, hurtling through space to the Apple world, iOS 9.3 was released to uh, developer beta this week. And uh, it's got some interesting stuff. For a 9.3, I mean, sometimes Apple packs a lot of things into the dot updates. I feel like they're doing more. The fact that we're at 9.3... As opposed to you know nine point one, uh, is one signal there too? Um, you have a lot to you're looking into this. It's not yet into uh, the public beta. It'll be pushed into a public beta at some point. So this is quite early. But uh, you've got some thoughts on uh, what's coming out in this new release?
1: Yeah, um, Apple actually put up a developer. Or, yeah, it was out. They they put up a public page. So usually developer betas. I mean they're just in the developer center, and you have to be a registered member of the developer program and log in and then you get, you know, all the info, obviously. Um, So this time, even though it's not in public beta yet, they put up a public page to kind of tease it. um, So and, you know, tell you what you're going to get and get us excited about 9.3. So. So, yeah, we looked into that and we tried to add a little context because, you know, obviously Apple will say that it's the best thing ever. Um, so, but it, it does have some interesting features. Um, the first one is Nightshade, I think it's called.
0: Yes, uh, night, yes, night night
1: shift. Sorry,
0: night shift. Working on the night. Oh, sorry, that's different. Night train. <laughs> I'm confused. Working on my night cheese. Yeah. Um, that was a great Henry Winkler movie, Night Shift. It was, uh, oh, sorry. I'm just going to keep distracting you. All right, go ahead. I beg, I beg so,
1: your pardon. So, I mean, I use night mode on like pretty much every app that I use that has a night mode because I do a ton of reading on my phone and I do most of that reading, you know, at night. Um, so, Tweetbot, Kindle, Instapaper, they have a night mode and that will usually take, instead of showing you a white screen with black text it makes the screen black and the text white and that's supposed to be a little easier on the eyes but that's not what night shift is going to do in ios instead it's going to change the color temperature of the display Um, so the studies have shown that the reason People, you know, they they advise you to not look at screens, you know, for an hour or two before you go to bed is because the blue light that the screens give off that has a really blue temperature and that tricks your mind into thinking that it's daytime when it's not and it can mess up, you know, your internal clock and you have a harder time falling asleep. So what Night Shift is going to do is it's going to it knows when sunset is because it knows, you know, where you are in the world and what time the sun will go down. And then once the sun goes down, it's going to start changing the colors of your display like subtly. I mean, it won't be like red is now green. Like it's not going to be like that, but it's just going to start adjusting the colors to the warmer side of the spectrum so you have more like yellow light instead of more blue light and that will supposedly um you know uh help your your brain know that it is nighttime so and then it'll automatically turn off in the morning um i guess maybe you'll hopefully you'll be able to you know tell it not to do that if you don't want to apple's usually pretty good about you know making these things optional um but it this actually already existed there's there's an app called Flux that yes. is still available on the Mac side and um but it, it they did have an iOS app but Apple pulled it so, this is one of those sad cases of Apple, like, you know, not letting a third party developer do something. They were using some, like, private APIs, I guess, which is well, was against
0: the rules. Did they even release an app? You had it, They released, like, a package you could compile in Xcode and install yourself at one point, at least. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was even more particular. So, they were releasing an Xcode project. Um, so, you, you know, so it was, they thought they were within the rules because they weren't distributing the endpoint. I Apple's were really like. They
1: the store, no? Uh, okay, I don't know.
0: Cause they, the pro- maybe they were briefly, I, I know the thing that they pulled most recently was this Xcode, um, project, which is, uh, uh, a little bit, ex- I mean, it's a little extreme cause someone has to have a developer pr- mm-hmm. you know, thing they have to download it. They have to be able to go through the compilation. They have to transfer it to their, their phone, but Apple does not like to have any channels outside its own. So they, uh, they, I don't know if they told them to stop distributing it or just, uh, or disabled their developer account, but I think they uh, they talked to them about it. But yeah, it is. It's unfortunate, but it's the it's that basic level thing. Like Apple only provides access to certain kinds of features in iOS. Flux required uh, system wide uh, access at a level that is just not part of the public side. That's Apple's choice, unfortunately. That it doesn't want to um, authorize that. But at least I'll say you know this nice thing is if they're going to release features that perform the same thing at least we have the functionality and, and flux in the end wasn't making any money either they're just distributing this thing to to give people a solution i know there's a little dispute about whether the blue light thing is real effect or not based on some of the studies that were done i think there's a lot of uh, evidence that it has an effect but even as a placebo like if your cue is blue light and uh, or those spectrums and you have something that's in a night mode i don't think it matters if you sleep better it's irrelevant whether there's a uh, an effect for everybody, or a profound effect, or that your body is triggered by that, or your brain is, and your your condition is. Say, okay, now I can go to sleep after doing this. Whatever the reason, I know a lot of people have had to avoid. A lot of friends of might have had to uh, use tools like that or filters uh, in order to um, feel like they can get a good night's sleep. I, I use a phone up until or a computer up until bedtime, and I sleep uh, like a rock. So yeah. I'm not. Uh, I don't. I'm not susceptible to it. I suspect this might be something like seasonal affective uh, disorder too, or some people may have. Greater or lesser uh, circadian rhythm uh, disturbance by (laughs) the kind of light they have. So, uh, uh, but I'm glad they're offering it. The same kind of thing. Like, remember when they introduced the uh, was iOS eight the parallax effect? And you're like, okay, now you know that a reasonable single digit percentage of people get nauseated when they see stuff like this. Like, should you? I turned that thing
1: off right
0: away. Yeah, my friend Jenny Leader had a. um, She wrote a piece about it that went viral because she was like practically vomiting when she used her. uh, her phone and then apple very quickly put a switch in it was actually uh they're very responsive and and i've seen in a lot of places apple seems to add uh, reduced motion features or turn off motion i think uh, did tvos added that i think you can um i think it's tvos there was some another app i was using just recently something from apple that uh, added it's like you know in this version we have a reduced motion or stop you know animated effect tool and i was like good you're thinking about it which is great helps people um, now the uh, it has some other features in it I want maybe we sidebar into Apple News here because uh, Apple News gets an update in 9.3 It can do inline video instead of launching you out into a browser uh, but the the sidebar here is uh, that uh, I came out that Apple doesn't really know how many people are reading Apple News which is amusing Um yeah, but, that's really weird. Disturbing giving I mean I have I so let, let's talk about our use of it since we're podcasting and we could talk about our own experiences. Um, how are are you using Apple News at all? No. No. <laughs> no. Before <laughs> you said that you just the answer went backwards through time before I asked it. No. Uh, yeah, no RSS feeds, right? That's that's a problem.
1: Yeah. Um well, I am you know, I don't it's just not my style. I I'm not sure why I'm not using it. I have opened it a few times. I selected some favorite sources. And then I'll open it up and scroll through it and I just won't tap anything because it's it's stuff I've already seen um, elsewhere or it's I'm not that interested. They haven't surfaced anything in the for you section that's you know supposed to get to know me. Maybe it's because I'm not using it enough for it to really get to know me. But yeah, you can't add RSS feeds. You can't follow people And any of the, you know, good stuff about newsreaders and and social news apps. Um, So, yeah, like you, I'm getting a lot of links on Twitter. And then um, you turn me on to the app Nuzzle, which kind of shows you the stuff that you might have missed on Twitter. So if multiple Twitter, if multiple people that you follow on Twitter keep, you know, talking about the same article... It, it sent I, I get the email digest I'm not really using the app but I get an email digest and that's just a quick glanceable way for me to say like oh yep yeah, I saw most of those stories on Twitter today or like oh no I, I heard someone you know make a joke about this but I never saw what the story was and you can kind of catch up that way so yeah it, news is just not it's just not in my workflow it's not an app that I would open and use on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. I think that's the same thing. Very similar for me is every time I've, I've tried it, I put some time into it because I wanted to see what it would do in terms of customized recommendations. So I added a lot of fees, I added stuff that I like, I mark things as favorites or whatever the tool is. I read things and, um, it's not uninteresting. I'll scroll through what it shows me and I, and it's sort of vaguely is stuff that I'm interested in. But when I go there, it's already things I've already read. I find the app, silly the way it navigates not very useful uh, and i think that's it doesn't seem to focus on me it's sort of uh about what they want to show me even yeah, though i'm you're
1: sh- being applesplained <laughs> exactly here's <laughs> what you need to know kids
0: and i get yeah nuzzle the the advantage of nuzzle is that it's um i don't want to be in an echo chamber but i do follow people on twitter who don't agree with me about things that have different opinions from people. And I follow them particularly to hear different opinions are often areas of things that I'm not interested. That I don't know anything about. I have no expertise or part of the human experience. I'm not part of, I'll follow people who are advocates for disabled rights or trans rights so that I can understand it. So I get that on Twitter in a sort of more personal exchange. Um, but then that also surfaces different stories. And there are things that I wouldn't go and click like, Oh yeah, I want to always get this news. But because I follow people on Twitter like that, Nuzzle picks that up because of how it works. So um, uh, – and there's also that issue of finishability. Apple News is infinite. You're never done with Apple News, right? Yeah. It'll just scroll forever. It's not that Nuzzle is not infinite. It can, you can go and go and go, but it's hierarchically, At uh, the further I go down when I'm scrolling through stories, I mean, it alerts me to stuff that seems other people think is particularly interesting. Those are almost always interesting to me when they pop up with the thresholds I've set on my phone. But also, as I go down the list of things, uh, and if I use the app directly, uh, by the time I get a few screens down, I'm like, yeah, I've either already saw this or I, uh, you know, this is kind of falling outside of my area of interest and I stop. So I don't have that sense that I need to, that there's a a place that I have to go through and look at everything in my nuzzle uh, list either. I still do miss, I mean, you know, I, I miss some aspects of RSS in terms of selection, but nuzzle and Twitter and Facebook to a lesser extent have replaced it entirely. I don't see Apple news fitting in there anywhere. Apple News feels more like, I think we talked about this, a lot of people, not just us, before it was released, it felt like Apple wanting to get a foot into an ecosystem that it still had, you know, Newsstand was, uh, let's honestly say it was a failure. It was a total failure, you know? I don't see any other way to say it. I think news is a different approach to the same problem. It's how do we get people already who are producing content that's high quality that people want, how do we get them to an environment where they get more eyeballs and we have a way to monetize it, speaking as Apple, right? Uh, and I don't think news solves it either. I think um, I think having to create an app is too big a deal. Having to use uh, news to read it as a user is too big a deal. I don't think Apple's cracked this nut. Uh, Jason Snell and I have talked about this before months ago or a year ago, I think, which is if Apple had released a templatized approach that let publishers push out news into an app format without having to make an app that would probably have been a better strategy than either uh either the news app or news stand instead the bespoke app necessity you know having to build apps and uh deal with app store review process and all that just made the whole thing untenable and apple news doesn't solve that from the publisher side and it doesn't provide a good enough experience from the reader side so yeah here, I was I'm brushing looking my at hands this together That's that. what's that <laughs> sorry
1: uh, yeah, I was looking at it this morning um, in, you know, advance of this discussion. And, yeah, so for the reader side, I from the reader side, I didn't really find it that compelling. But I was noticing that most of the sources that I follow are not using the Apple News formats right. thing. So it's basically just an RSS feed. So I'm getting, you know, the first couple paragraphs, maybe an image and then a link to go, you know, to directly to the site and read the rest of it. Um, and then the, the few and far between publishers that can use Apple News format, their stuff looks a lot better. It looks, yep. you know, like it would on a, on a site. It's all formatted nicely. There's, you know, in, better inline images and video and you get the whole article, which is, you know, obviously better. Um, but. It, it, Apple's the gatekeeper for all of that still, and you know I I know like you know having friends around like that there's more people that want to get in on that that are just kind of waiting for Apple to tap them on the shoulder and say okay like we're gonna bless you now with Apple News format yeah so it's like if you're gonna give people the tools like give people the tools you know and they're just they're kind of playing favorites and it's really so it's obnoxious for the publisher side I don't know why publishers would wanna you know bend over backwards and and do this especially if they're not. Getting right. good analytics, which they've is also so got, important, for and us. and they've got
0: Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat, and others who all want them to deliver in their custom news format. Mm-hmm. All have customized requirements, and you know what Tom Standage of The Economist told us at the launch. Uh, he was a guest on the podcast. Uh, gosh, what was that like? You know, a year plus ago, um, or was it a year? ago? I can't remember. Anyone News app launch? We had him on. A, so I'll, I'll find the link somewhere. But uh, but he said um, The Economist is only making a subset of articles available, so you can't. You're not getting the full feed. The publishers, right, the publishers are working closely with Apple News and have the formatability. They are not necessarily, uh, you know, Economist famously has a paywall that's been very effective for them, but more and more publications do, or they want to capture you even as a free login to their site. So being able to sell ads to more people via Apple News doesn't actually help them as well as as much as getting people to their site and getting them to stick there. So The Economist makes a uh, edited selection of stories available and everything else you got to go to their site or their apps. So you can't you're not but even getting But do
1: people even know that? Like is there any kind of I think like, do doing... people know why some sites look, you know, some sources look awesome in news, some don't? Do no, so no, they I mean, know that no... like some Apple's publishers put branding. everything there, some don't?
0: No, it's just I think this is part of the I, I feel like Apple Apple News, this is part of our overall Apple thing right now, is that they're diffuse, right? They're, they, they promulgate, they let newsstand, they introduce newsstand, then they uh, found it disappointing, then they ignored it for a couple of releases, then they announce Apple News as the great new thing that everyone's going to love, and then they push it out, and they don't give it the support to mature it. They don't listen to feedback, they don't modify it, they don't expand it, so it's got a small set of, as you say, native sources that people are working with directly. It's not as useful as RSS. It doesn't have a full set of... Feeds I can get from a site. It doesn't let you log into site and give them credentials, so you can't even use Apple News as a tool to read, say, The Full Economist or other sites you subscribe to, because right. you can't pass credentials. And like on and on. Like I could just, you know, we could sit here all day and and rag on. And then the, you know, the crowning victory here is that Apple says they were undercounting readers. They weren't even giving an accurate count to publications, uh, and they're not releasing any numbers. They released, you know, forty million people have used the app, but the, the belief is that that's the number of people who've actually launched it. Not who act, not releasing active user numbers. So publications that were trying to sell ad impressions against uh, Apple News, uh, you know, got numbers that didn't match their own analytics, and the analytics are you know a step removed, or what they they can't even do their own analytics because Apple controls that part. So what the information they got was inaccurate. So they put effort in. So there's just a lot of. I think from a user standpoint, it's not very interesting. From a publisher standpoint, it's not very useful. From a business standpoint, I don't think Apple has its act together about it. And I expect we're going to see—you know—iOS ten will come out, and news will still be there, and then iOS eleven will come out, and we will forget that news ever existed. <laughs> is my suspicion just like with Newsstand? Because I don't—I don't think they have a. Apple has a problem about editorial philosophy. Is they want to be in the game, but they don't want to, uh, to to rankle or push any limits. So unlike a news organization or a startup, they don't have the motivation to do things that are most compelling. You know, they're sort of an aesthetic company that produces great hardware and good software. They're not a content company uh, and I think they still keep trying to believe they are or they can package an experience. And I don't think they've Can you think of an example where Apple's been successful at uh, taking content either created or from other parties and making it into any kind of long-term business, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not being naive and saying that, because I can't think of anything they do like that, as I opposed mean, to... Just
1: the iTunes <clears> store, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, Microsoft is a good example. Microsoft has had news divisions. It had uh, Encarta, um, it's, uh, you know, it had, um, there's parts of MSN that were very robust, and I, I don't, you, you've gone to MSN for a long time, I don't even know what's there, but but uh, many other tech companies, have, you know, and Google, Google News, I think is very successful for the kind of thing Google News does. I think Apple News is not anywhere near as successful in providing information to people that they want in a format they want from every source that Google News does as a, you know, kind of a creaky old technology. I'm sure there's a lot of advanced stuff behind Google News. But it's really, hey, we look at a bunch of sources and we put stuff in front of you based on algorithms that we're not telling you. And sometimes it's pretty interesting. So, <laughs> um, All right. So that was our sidebar. Back to 9.3. Yeah. I
1: <laughs> oh, was jerk. In nine point three, yeah, they said the, the preview thing said that news was gonna get better, but it was super vague about it. Yeah. It said that yeah, it was gonna get inline video, and that the for you and um you know section would be better. <laughs> so, All right, thanks Apple. Like and... you, not super hopeful. Um, there was uh health is gonna help with the discovery. Um, so the health app is just sort of a. Uh, a clearinghouse of all the data that's been collected by the sensors on your phone and also um, other health kit apps that you might have installed and be interacting with. And then all that gets dumped into the, the health database. Um, so now when you open the health database, there'll be uh, there's dashboards for different things like weight and, and uh, fitness activity kind of stuff, um, that's going to show you, it's going to suggest apps along the bottom. There'll be a little scrollable list of apps that you might want to try. So kind of like how the oh, iTunes nice. store will suggest apps to you yeah. based on what you already have installed. So that could really help because, um, you know, HealthKit, you kind of get more out of it the more, you know, different apps that you use and you can track different different things. So that that might actually really help. Um, CarPlay is going to get some updates and this also sort of confused me that they were so, you know, yay, CarPlay is going to get these things that your iPhone has had for months. So one of them was the For You, um, section of Apple Music is now going to be accessible via CarPlay and that the other one was, I think, um, oh yeah, the, the nearby feature in Maps. So both of those launched, I mean, Apple Music launched with iOS 8.4, and Maps launched, you know, the, the nearby part of the Maps app launched with iOS 9. And now they're both trickling down to CarPlay in iOS 9.3. So I don't know, like that just shows, that just tells me that, you know, I'm, I should not feel bad about not having a CarPlay stereo in my car. Because if I had paid hundreds, in some cases over $1,000 for this fancy aftermarket stereo that can't do things that my phone could do. You know, almost a year ago, um, not almost a year ago, months but, well, months ago, yeah, that's, that's really obnoxious. Like, I feel like I'm smarter to just buy, you know, a cheap stereo head unit for my car that has like a USB port that I can plug in my iPhone yeah. and keep all the software on the iPhone. It's not quite as hands free as the CarPlay thing would be. But at least, you know, I get all the software features as soon as they're available. I, I don't, I'm not light.
0: impressed with CarPlay. I have no interest in getting it because it sounds like a, a kind of crummy experience overall. Yeah. Like it's, it's delay and there's a lot of limitations. And um, we flew uh, Virgin America this last weekend. And what's hilarious is... Uh, this will make sense in a second. I swear to God, this is another another digression. But uh, uh, Virgin I, – I feel like Virgin America does everything they can to make the flight experience better within the constraints of the current airline and uh, airport system. So it's kind of delightful uh, compared uh, – they just do a lot of stuff right. But the thing that, that's hilarious is – their in-flight red entertainment system, which was launched in like 890, when they, uh, 2008, I think is when the airline launched, a little before that, they put that in their planes, and it's a seat-back system, and it is, <laughs> there's in-flight chat, so the four of us are there, and I was messing around, it's got a... game controller that has a tiny keyboard on it and so I'm sending messages to my 8 year old in another seat and it's sort of hilarious and finally I'm like I'm going to get Carpal Tunnel using this thing and the chat system I posted on Twitter a picture of it I saw that. it's (laughs) like from 19 I I was using something I swear with a dial up modem system and like screen based terminal that was better than what they have and CarPlay is not as bad as Virgin's in-flight entertainment system but it's not but it has the same sense of like why are we doing something that feels like 10 year old technology or yeah, so you're you know, upgrading to seven, go back. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to use like my my iPhone is the best experience. Give me a bigger iPhone, or give me I, I was suggesting uh, we were talking in chat. I was suggesting what about an AirPlay, a tiny AirPlay monitor. Just put like a a four-inch screen. Or not four inch, but like a six inch screen mounted and used as an AirPlay destination from yeah. your uh, from your phone, or mirror it and uh, the touch yeah, screen. Yeah, I want no, to just put
1: like an iPad Mini in the dashboard, and then I wish you much know better. the phone could send stuff to the Mini. Somehow. Yeah, that would be a much better. I, li- I like the fact that CarPlay is cool because the software is all on your phone, right? So you yeah. sit down in the car and you plug it in, and you don't have to you know ever like sync anything to the car. You don't have to like update your contacts in the car. Like it's all just you know, everything that's on your phone is in the car. But it's not everything, you know it's like some you know the apps have to be supported for them to show up on the dashboard and I don't know you it's just like you a, get, watch. You get a more
0: <laughs> it's yeah. like a watch for your car it is Oh uh, um.
1: I'm doing just fine without it. I I tested it a few times and I liked it when I tested it, but, you know, it's not ready for my money.
0: Not compelling. Uh, Oh, we missed uh, one thing too. Apple Notes is going to add security. And, you know, it's funny. I just used Apple Notes for the first time in the new version. Uh, This weekend, I was asked to write a toast for the. by the bride in the wedding and, uh, and I did, I had, all I had was my iPad. So I pulled up notes. And I was like, Oh, this is great. I know people have been talking about it. And, uh, what's funny is our friend Jason Snell has been, uh, posting <laughs> lately after Jack, uh, Dorsey of Twitter posted something about the new potential 10,000 character limit on tweets. Uh, he posted a screen, uh, what do they call it? A, a screenshot right not screenshot there's a tweet shot or something i think it's whatever the terminology is and uh, and uh, uh, jason noticed he said oh that's using apple notes and then he started posting some other places where people clearly famous people or people in media or whatever they're using notes all the time they're just like screen grabbing it and putting it up there um so yeah so in 9.3 will let you actually put some you know password protection you'll be able to lock some notes so if someone gets a hold of your device unlocked or they manage to unlock it they still won't have access to your secret messages.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you could already do that with like Evernote and some
0: other. Yeah. It's interesting. Apps, so. But I mean, that was it's the good thing. Feature, is Apple Notes is highly used. That was the thing that came out at mm-hmm. uh, the, the keynote was just um, how I mean, Apple Notes, it's there. People use it. Most people only use default apps. Most people only install like what one to three apps ever. It's a tiny percentage of all the hundreds of millions or billion iOS users who ever install many apps and the the pinnacle of that are, you know, people like us who are installing them all the time. But I think the, probably at the 95th percentile, people are installing like 10 apps, you know, so it's not, yeah. so notes, they're fine. I mean, it's, this is actually a great thing that they're making notes so good because it's heavily used. You need more than notes. Great. You've got Evernote and other tools, but it's nice that they're actually putting the effort in, um, after a lot of, uh, stagnation with it. Yeah, I
1: wondered if they, so they're adding, you know, a Touch ID security layer to notes. Then I was thinking, like, well, what other Apple apps could maybe benefit from that? I don't know if you could, if you were, like, really worried about your email, if you could put, you know, you have to do Touch ID when you log in, when you open the mail app, maybe. Um, Or I know how, like, Safari can save passwords, yeah, we well they, really I don't really mean, use that, that feature, but that could be locked behind your thumbprint. So maybe they'll start. Maybe Apple will start making better use of Touch ID. I love the third-party apps that use Touch ID. I enable it everywhere I can. So it's, it, I would I would love it if Apple used that more.
0: I'm gonna look this up later because it's more complicated. But I can't remember. Can you use uh, iCloud Keychain or Safari passwords if you don't have a passcode set on your device? or a touch ID. I don't remember. I don't know. I hope not. I don't know. So they may already have that's that's kind of the first thing. But no, I like app level security. So somebody, if I leave my phone lying around unlocked, someone walking up to it doesn't have the, you know, if, it, if I have a four minute timeout or a 10 minute timeout or whatever, that doesn't also add another layer of um, insecurity. So as much as they can do that where it's not convenient or they can have, you know, you use the app and you get a five minute grace period after you use it before you have to use your fingerprint again. I think that is spiffy as well.
1: Yeah, I don't want you know passwords on every single thing, but the with, with Touch, ID, Touch ID, it's so easy. You know, I know like it's you so might intense. as well just put everything behind this like Touch ID security because it's just, it, it's so oh. fast, it's so accurate. Like I I love Touch ID.
0: Speaking of Touch ID, I uh, just got uh, Square is now shipping its uh, Square Reader in some quantities. I went to my uh, Rolfer, my massage therapist slash Rolfer. And I was able to pay, she did not have it set up yet, but she had one. I came home and it just arrived in the mail. So this is the, uh, chipped card reader, the EMV reader that also has NFC for doing Apple pay and Android pay and, and other, uh, touchless systems. Uh, and so that will be interesting. So you'll be walking into small businesses now and you'll be able to pay. I mean, I assume if I got it, I was assuming they're shipping it out, like at something like (laughs) in proportion to what your volume is. And, I use Square a few times a year. I do it mostly for testing, but I have an account. Occasionally someone needs to pay me something or I'll sell something on Craigslist or Nextdoor and I'll be like, you know, I can take a credit card if you don't want to write a check or give me cash. Like, oh, great, you know, because I'm paying 3%. It's not the end of the world. And uh, now I've got, I'll be able to test this modern device. So I'm like, you know, one of the lowest using people who ever uses it. Uh, So since I got one, I'm assuming that tens of thousands of people have now gotten theirs. So soon you'll be walking into a small business You'll see this. It's a really very, very Apple-looking device. You would believe it was made by Apple. It's elegant. Uh, the one horsey thing is the LEDs in the back. You remember that story about Johnny Ive or Tim Cook buying up all the lasers that could cut that tiny hole, just have the light shine no. through? <laughs> this was a few years ago. It was actually a thing about how they wanted to have um, that a very tiny uh, green LED light shine through on one uh, – I forget which MacBook model it was – and there was a company that made these lasers. So they, I think, either hired them, but then they basically bought 100% of the output. So no other company could produce a tiny LED that way. And you'll notice it's kind of an Apple signature. If you look carefully, you will see, it was like on the Airport Extreme and Time Capsule on the back, they have tiny LEDs that are next to all of it, which is not uncommon, but there's super tiny lights next to all of the Ethernet ports and on the front. And Apple's thing is, they like super tiny LEDs and they do it. Other companies often... It's expensive to do that, so the horse your one. So the one thing I would say about the Square Reader, which is hilarious, you push a button to see battery life, and four herkin green LEDs light up in the back, and they are they seem so absurdly large to me. And they're still very tiny. It's a tiny device. But the thing is, elegant. It feels good. It works well. Uh, you run the Square Register app, and it pairs. It did a software update, even though it just shipped, and it was all perfect and wonderful. And I haven't tested that yet with uh, – you can't charge. I don't think you can uh, do a test – uh, charge on the phone that's being used for Square Register, but uh, I'll test that so I'll charge somebody I know something and we'll see what happens. Um, but it's uh, it's nice that that's out because that'll be another way to use your Apple phone or watch uh, in a for small businesses and let them get the advantage of this technology.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm excited to start seeing it around. I haven't seen it anywhere yet.
0: Hey, I want to talk about uh, I think we've got time for one more story, which is uh, AT&T taunting use. So I know they, they taunt you, jerks. They're so, so right. So we know they're uh, they're bringing back unlimited wireless data plans, but only if you subscribe to their TV service, either their Uverse or uh, the the yeah, direct Yeah, let
1: me TV. let me just rush right out and do that. Yeah, AT&T, that's uh, what you want. Got
0: sold. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's inter- but it's interesting to do that as a bundle. I mean, this is the thing, you know. In England, I bring this up a lot. In the UK, they uh, the. The uh, dominant carrier, British Telecom, was forced to sort of de- – it was uh, like split up in a certain way. Not exactly, but there's a wholesale division that did all the DSL infrastructure there because they don't have um, – there's not very much cable and in- a lot of the world has no cable. America is, I think, the by far the most densely installed cable co- coaxing. Yeah, because it was just the right timing to do it here. Most countries – they had phone wiring, or there wasn't enough money, and whatever. So, UK okay, DSL and satellite for TV is you know over the air. There's and they got into digital TV uh, over the air in a big way early because BBC collects a lot of money from fees, so it's got a structure for that to happen. There's a lot of satellite companies that compete there, uh, and so DSL became kind of unhooked from um, retail. And you do these things, like years ago, you could go to, uh, I think it was car warehouse or something, and they'd be like, get a mobile phone subscription from us and we'll give you free eight megabit per second DSL. And you'd be like, free? Because it cost them like $8 a month. The, the overhead was so low, because they were paying the, the, the uh, BT wholesale division had to charge, you know, essentially its cost. And its goal was to get as many people on it, because they wanted to pay their infrastructure. So instead of creating artificial scarcity, It created plenty. And as a result, uh, not that uh, broadband in the UK is, I think on the whole, uh, they were for a while. I think it's now lagged because of the cable DSL split. There's a lot more people connected. Uh, especially in rural areas, and a lot more. Uh, there was a higher average data rate for a long time. So I see this a bit with like AT and saying, "All right, you know, we have fixed costs for all kinds of things. Now what we really want to do is get that TV programming, like get people in, get the premium channels. That's where the margin is. So we can throw in we don't unlimited data, whatever. We'll give you that wireless thing because we're really making our money now, and huge gobs is on the TV side."
1: I haven't even read the fine print. It's probably not, like, unlimited.
0: It's un- yeah, it's unlimited, asterisk, dagger, dagger, asterisk, asterisk, yeah. asterisk. Uh, so you're looking for—you're you're trying to get off AT&T now, it sounds like.
1: Well, Maybe? so yeah, I'm not trying to get off of AT&T because of this. I'm yeah. actually pretty happy with my AT&T service, but I feel, you know, like we've discussed before, I went to the installment plan on my iPhone, so now I feel like I'm being sort of double-charged. Um, Because I still have my old unlimited plan, which was, you know, based around like a subsidized iPhone price that, you know, I now don't have anymore. Um, And so, yeah, I was thinking about going to those mobile share plans. For a while, I was really gung ho about switching to T-Mobile, but I haven't, you know, done it yet. I'm also very lazy, so it'll take me a long time to, to actually like... Follow through with any of this, but then the T-Mobile, like you know, there's semantic bull crap. Have you been following this story?
0: Was this about the uh, yeah the the video ben thing John. where they want to claim like I I read some of what he said and you no know, one part is true. So, um, Mr. So, Swery, Swery John, that they're that that a lot of places will feed the highest data. They'll, so there's a lot of different encodings that Netflix and Amazon and so forth can do. They have you know 1080p and other things they can do. And if you're on a device that is high bandwidth, the encoders can wind up shifting higher uh, encoded streams than you can actually take advantage of or that are useful on a display of that size. So I think that one technical aspect he says is accurate, but the way to fix that is for the providers, the streaming services to get better and for carriers to work with them to more appropriately feed the right kind of encoding so they're not having network management problems.
1: Right. Um, Well, let's back up and explain a little bit. So T-Mobile has this binge on feature of their plans, which I think are, you know, you have to have a data plan of six gigabytes or more. It's turned on by default. And what it does is it's kind of like their um, music unlimited thing where there's certain video streaming services that don't count towards your data cap. So you get your six gigabytes or whatever of data and that's high speed data. And then after that, you get, you know, throttled down. Um, so, but now like the the music that you listen to through some approved services and now this video that you watch through approved services don't count against that cap right. so that seems like a great thing right so to do it with binge on what they did is they started throttling all the video um, they try to identify any video you're watching they roll it back to 480p which yeah it does kind of you know optimize it for your device but um and the, and the sites that That are participating, like Netflix and stuff, like you know, they sort of know what's going on, and they can say, okay, like here's a 480 version for you. But if you're going to another site that's not in the the program, and they only have a 1080p version. You know, T Mobile is going to throttle that 1080p video, and then you, as the consumer, are not really going to understand that that's T Mobile doing that
0: and not the site. They're transcoding it down, they're degrading the quality as opposed to they're not making it choppy. I mean, and, you know, and, and I believe like there's definitely our network management issues. Like you don't need 1080p to most devices. You won't notice it. Some you will, some you won't. But it's I, I I believe that argument. And he also is opposing the network neutrality argument, where he said we're doing this uniformly for everybody. We're not doing this. You don't have to. Uh, but which is bad too. It's like it's like we don't have a special well, they didn't deal. Really
1: explain. They kept saying like we're optimizing. We're optimizing. Yeah. And they're like, actually, you're just slowing down the bandwidth for like all the video and the EFF found this and they asked him about, they asked John Laguerre about (laughs) it during like an open, like ask John thing. And he answered the question. Then he goes, but I have a question for you. Like who the F are you EFF and why are you causing trouble? And like, who's paying you? And it's just like, oh, you're he's the on CEO about too. of a telecom company. And you've never heard of the EFF and like, what the heck? So he went and apologized for that and said, you know, like gave it some lip service about the important work they do and whatever. But that really soured me. Like, I feel like it's, they're still playing semantic things. They're blaming everybody else for not understanding when it was really their failure to explain it properly. I mean, they've kind of gone back and backtracked and said, okay, it's on by default. You can turn it off. Um, you know, here's what's happening. But, but but they're sort of pointing the finger at other people saying like, oh yeah, like this, this, this shouldn't really be a problem. But since you guys are making it a problem, like we'll go ahead and explain. And it's just the whole thing's really turned me off. So I'm no longer a, uh, interested in becoming a T-Mobile customer. Yeah. So that leaves me back with Verizon (laughs) and AT&T. So I might just, you know, switch my AT&T plan so I don't have to switch carriers. Uh, Phil Michaels, uh, one of my favorite writers, um, formerly of Macworld and TechHive, is now over at Tom's Guide, and he just wrote a really great thing that I'm going to link in the show notes that was like, here's all the things you need to kind of take it you know, think about before you switch carriers because, you know, the carriers are all like, yeah, they're so gung ho about stealing each other's customers that they make it sound like no big deal. Like just turn in your phone and we'll like shower you with money and it's going to be great. And Phil actually went through and broke it down. Like, okay, like here's all the things you need to to take into account before you go ahead and take the plunge. So reading that, um, Really uh, help me try to you know conceptualize and, and plan out what I'm going to do because I got to do something. My phone bill is out of control.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely complicated right now because every option requires you like to make a spreadsheet. I mean, multiple people. The data plan. Um, our colleague Rob Pegraro, who I just had the pleasure to work with over at the Wire Cutter, we worked on a uh, best Wi-Fi hotspot guide, and uh, he tested what's out there. And like Verizon has the like best performing thing on their LTE, their best LTE network. Uh, and and t has a very similar unit that also does LTE, or it does, um, what does LTE? I think it doesn't do, it has 802.11n while the Verizon is 802.11ac. There's a lot of differences and we like the Verizon best, but here's the thing. He and I are going over the plan thing and, and like they have – you can get a subsidized or non-subsidized version. You pay $50 with a two-year contract on, on, for both AT&T and Verizon. You pay $200 if you buy it outright. But there's no difference in the underlying service charge regardless of which you do. So it's – so if you keep – there's no – desubsidized version like with the old plans they used to have where you know sup- paying upright front didn't seem to reduce the subsidy they were they were giving you either and then we wound up with a chart that has like all right so let's say you have a mobile share plan <laughs> what do you want to if you want a standalone plan you pay this much and then if you want to do this and so like the standalone plans are totally inconsistent with the add to existing plans. The subsidized versus buy outright don't make any sense. So it has not been harmonized at all. So if you're a Verizon customer, you should just pay the fifty bucks subsidized fee because you're you're not getting any better benefit by paying two hundred up front. And you can plug it into an existing plan, and even if you wind up using a few gigs more, you can go up. And it winds up being pretty affordable. But in a lot of other combinations, the the using your phone in a tethered mode is substantially better financially. But yeah I mean, but you have to have someone like Rob who's been writing about the cell world and plans for you know, many, many years to go through the pain to talk. Like he calls at and says, okay, I'm not seeing these options that are advertised. Like, yeah, only five gigabytes is available. But you're advertising that there are plans for – like, all right. So if you're an average consumer, it says you can get this. You go to the site. It's not available. The PR people are telling you something different. Um, I think the cell world is – I think we're going to see a collapse into – more simplicity because I think people are going are, are already frustrated, and it's in the middle of this upheaval. The switch to installment plans. We just saw AT and T has dropped all subsidized plans, right? Didn't that just happen uh, a few, during CES? I think you probably didn't notice because it was yeah. CES was they're going
1: on. not gonna do two years. They have
0: dropped. You can no yeah. longer get two year oh, that's phone right. contracts. Yep. That's I remember this thing. now. Oh, actually, yeah, was, no I'm sorry, it was, the, it was at the very end of the year. It happened over the break even. Uh, yeah.
1: They announced it at the end of the year and they said it would go live like January 8th or oh, something. Oh, that's it. So
0: it happened during. But so that, you know, so we're seeing, uh, yeah, so we're seeing the end of that whole market too. So everything is should be switching. Like eventually we should be in a model where we're paying either installments or upfront exactly what the hardware costs, maybe with a discount during sales like T-Mobile and others do. And our monthly fees are going to be very straightforward. They're going to be per device or for usage. And we're so close to that now. Carriers love obfuscation because it lets them keep their margins by letting people not understand exactly what they're paying for. So that's that's the score, I think. Tough talk from us. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. I think we have uh, covered the week's news. Last week's news and this That's week's. That's all news.
1: our complaints for now. That's all we have to complain <laughs> we'll about. Be if you back. have things to
0: complain about, email us <laughs> podcast at macworld.com. We'll be sure to complain along with you. Uh, but next week, it'll probably be some more. We'll uh, getting back to normal post CES. And uh, uh, I think, as I said last week, uh, no expectation that Apple's going to be announcing anything in the near future. Um, I think I'm trying to remember, but I think we don't see anything typically until March or even April in uh, in this quarter, right? They have kind of a pause. So uh, we may not see any new hardware for a while. Hopefully we'll see. Pause for the cause. Yeah, we'll get 9.3 will ship at some point. We'll see some more OS ten updates. And uh, we'll be talking about some new software. I was just working on, I was uh, uh, playing uh, applause and so forth in the background. I was working on a review of the new Loopback Audio virtual device software. I've got these batteries I'm testing. Uh, we also
1: just posted like a second ago while you were talking. Uh, we <gasps> just posted news that uh, iOS, or I'm sorry, 1Password 6 shipped for Mac.
0: Oh, that's right, and that's a, a big update: uh, 6.2 for iOS and 6.0 for Mac. Uh, and uh, I'm a big One Password fan, and this is uh, like interface cleanup. Uh, it sort of integrates their new Teams uh, approach better, so you can have multiple vaults that you can look at at once. Um, and it's a it's a nice evolution. I like the idea of being able to to have better organization both for myself, but also have this option now to have um, passwords that I can share among teams. I mean, you know, it's like Slack, but for passwords. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, we need nice. something like that. It's so hard to change things. We have a chat. shared
1: password, like spreadsheet that you know, oh my terrible. god, it's terrible. Like, that's you can wind up like uh, so easily, yeah. Uh, you
0: wind like Sony. Uh, it's also default <laughs> folder five, by the way. The new version just shipped this week and it's great. It's actually uh, looks a little bit nicer too. They did an interface tune up, but this is the first version that's shipped without uh, requiring you to disable the system integrity protection option. Uh, oh, okay. it, yeah, so you don't, you no longer, if you want to use default folder, you simply install this, it can pick up your default folder for preferences. A 15 upgrade if you purchased. Uh, default folder for before uh, June, somewhere in June, and it'll delete the old system preference version. So now it's an app. It's an app that uses all of Apple's hooks, and it, to my eye, it looks and works just the way it did without being kind of hacky the way it had to be all these years. So, you know, I think this is one of the nice things is even though people were concerned about this new, um, this new feature that was going to help lock down uh, the operating system to be safer against malware... It looks like I think almost everything has now been rebuilt around it. I think Apple did enough work in the betas to respond to developers, or they implemented everything by the end, that um, we're sort of back to status uh, quo ante. I can't think of – I think there's a couple apps. Uh, there's like a, a Finder integration one that people really like that I think they were going to give up development, but it may have had to do with the current market as well as what they could get away with changing. Um, but we, I think almost everything is now working again with new versions. So that's cool. Yay. I dig it, yeah. Yeah, there'll be
1: a lot of fun software news between here and and March, I think, until the robots come.
0: We're talking. We'll try to get some special guests on to keep you guys excited as weeks go by before we see uh, right the uh, MacBook or the new MacBook that'll come out and uh, and whatever else ships along that the iPhone 5 uh, a 6C anything like that. Uh, So thank you, Susie. It's been a pleasure to talk to you post CES.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: And uh I thanks for holding it down for me while I was busy. I kept the my pillow fort I kept the pillow fort uh, safe while you were off <laughs> Good. working in the mines, the C S mines. And uh, I've been Glenn Fleishman uh, as I as I tend to remain over time. And this has been the Macworld Podcast for January thirteenth, two thousand and sixteen, episode four hundred and ninety. Email us, podcast at macworld.com, find us online at Macworld.com and leave comments on this post. Find us on Twitter. Tell us what you think, what you'd like to hear about. Uh, We have some doldrums ahead in terms of hardware news, but we'll be talking about plenty of other things, news that comes out. Thanks for listening.